Welcome to Unhindered. Good morning, good morning, good morning. If you're wondering what unhindered means, it is a uh, derivative of a scripture that we took out of Job chapter 42 that says, I know that you can do all things and that none of your plans can be hindered. And when I look through the Bible, I find a whole lot of plans that God has. And he, uh, ex- he it gives us, not commandments, but he gives us authority to walk in those plans. Somebody say amen if you're with me. If it, is this on? I thought I was in a Pentecostal church. We, we have a, not a command, but an opportunity to walk in authority according to the plans that God has for us. And yet, when I look around the body of Christ, I don't see the same things that he says we can have. And, and, and so I've decided this year that I was going to make it the point of my existence to see things I've never seen before. I want, I've seen some miraculous things. I've, I've, I've seen miracles. I, I have uh, under my ministry at least five uh, reported miracles that have happened uh, during services where I was preaching and ministering. I've seen things, but I want to see some stuff that I haven't seen. Mainly, I want to see things that seem far-fetched to become common. Because when I read the Bible, I find that those things were very common to people that were walking with Jesus, and I still consider myself walking with Jesus. So why wouldn't those things be common in my life? When Jesus sent the disciples out, he sent them out to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, and to cast out devils. And so I decided I'm going to wear my receipt. And so uh, I, I, this is exactly what I come to do. I, I, I wore this shirt to church today that says I'm here to preach the gospel. If you wonder why I'm here today, I'm here to preach the gospel and heal the sick and to cast out demons. I this is my receipt for what I'm, I, I just go ahead and, and put it out there. I, 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 want, I want hell to know, I want heaven to know, and I want everybody to come in contact with this is what I'm here to do. Because I'm not satisfied. The days are getting dark. We're drawing to an end of an age. The signs are everywhere, and the church needs to rise up and be the church. And that's why we've been preaching this series called unhindered and one of the things that I'm going to be spending a lot of time on beginning uh, well actually beginning last week and going through the end of this series is I want to shake you up a little bit because some of you have become way too content with your prayer life okay I pray pastor I know you do how's that going for you because I'm going to be honest and tell you that I do a whole lot of praying, maybe more than most of you here. I, I pray a lot. I, I, I'm not saying that to, to very braggadocio. I mean, it's kind of part of my job. I pray a lot, and yet the effort that I put in isn't necessarily correlating to output. And so I'm praying a lot, but I'm not necessarily receiving a lot. And, and so I, I, I want to shake up your prayers a little bit. I want to mess with you just a little bit. I want to make you a little bit uncomfortable. I'm going to be honest with you because this has made me uncomfortable. When I started studying for this series at the beginning of this year, I did not realize some of the very common things about prayer that is very plainly spoken in the Bible, but nobody ever talks about it. I've never heard another preacher talk about what I'm going to talk about beginning this week and going forward. I've never heard another sermon preached exactly the way I'm going to preach this one this morning. So I'm going to talk to you this morning out of, uh, first, a scripture that I told you we were going to use a lot in this sermon series, and it's Proverbs chapter 3. We're eventually going to end up in Genesis chapter 1. If you don't know where Genesis chapter 1 is, you need to come to Bible study on Thursday nights. At 6.30, you need to come to the Disciples Path group that they have uh, going on right now because Genesis chapter 1, you ought to be able to find that one without help from your neighbor, but if you need help from your neighbor, don't be ashamed to ask. Genesis chapter 1, find the cover of your Bible and flip it. Genesis 1. Okay, uh, but we're going to begin in Proverbs chapter 3. I preached a sermon a few weeks ago called The Deadliest Virus. And I started using this scripture. And the deadliest virus, we find it in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your... uh Uh-huh. And lean not on your own... See? Right there it is. Did you see it? That's the deadliest virus. I'm going to be calling that the crooked lean. I'm going to be using that this morning, and I'm going to keep using it as it pertains to prayer. 
Does anybody want a more powerful prayer life? Let me, maybe I'm in the wrong room. Maybe you maybe you would rather not even learn about prayer. Maybe you'd rather learn how to manage your finances, or 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 how to invest in the stock market, or 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 how to be a better person at work. I don't I don't know, but I I want my prayers to be more effective. And if you notice what verse five says, it says, "Trust in the Lord with how much." All of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That is the deadliest virus. That is what I call the crooked lean. And that is what I'm going to talk about this morning. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall what? He shall what? Uh Uh-huh. So if you don't lean on your own understanding but you acknowledge him in all your ways, he will tell you what path to take. You're already checked out on me. And he shall direct your path. Be not wise... (laughs) In your own eyes. If you don't haven't caught on to that, that's exactly the same statement that he already made. Quit leaning on your own understanding. He's also saying, quit trying to figure it out yourself. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and we'll talk about this next week. Depart from evil, and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. In other words... Get your lean right, and health follows. So when we're praying for health, whether it's for us or for other people, before we get to the healing, we've got to get the leaning right. Before we get to the healing, we've got to get the leaning right. So the next several weeks, we're going to do something that I guess none of you have ever done before because I've never done it before. I'm going to apply these scriptures, these verses, to prayer. Because when I started studying the Bible and trying to figure out what is hindering my prayers, when I started studying the scriptures about prayer, the mysteries of prayer, the limitations of my faith, there was one common problem that I kept seeing. We try to lean on our own understanding. The reason prayer is so hard, the reason it feels so ineffective, the reason it doesn't seem to work is because we think prayer is supposed to be something we understand, but instead it's supposed to be a way for Him to direct our path. I'm going to say that again. Because nothing I'm going to say today is going to be more important for you to get into your spirit if you're going to understand why prayer isn't working for you. Prayer is not something that you understand, say with your lips, and see results. Prayer is something that is mysterious because you put it out and expect the results to come from Him. You'll never understand it. Any prayer that you understand is not effective. It's something you have done yourself and accomplished on your own. What God wants you to do is learn how to exercise faith Put prayer into motion and let Him direct your path. Now, I'm going to talk about the path of prayer in a few weeks. I don't have time to do that but this morning. But some of you, I'm going to answer some questions. I'm going to have them right here on the screen for your little bitty eyeballs to see. Questions like, does my prayers even work? And I'm going to show you why. Yes, they do. Or maybe no, they don't. But I'm going to answer that question for you because some of you are praying and you're frustrated. You're asking God. You're begging God. You're pounding the floor. You're crying tears. And you're frustrated because prayers aren't producing what you want. But this scripture didn't say prayer is to produce what you want. This scripture just said you are supposed to align yourself with Him. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will direct Some of you, oh my God, help me, Holy Ghost. Some of you are more in love with getting your prayer answered than you are with the one you're praying to. Because when you love Him, you trust the path. Some of you are praying and the only result that you are going to accept from Him is the result you have predetermined is your path. And you're frustrated why your prayers aren't working. 
And it's because you have not yet submitted yourself to the path. Mm-hmm. I'm quieting you down already. I already took the whole shout. I come back tonight. We'll shout tonight. It's Super Sunday. All this, all this teaching that I have done in this whole series has been tied together. And several weeks ago, I told you that one of the keys to being unhindered is that you have to settle in your spirit. The first thing you have to do, say the first thing, I have to do. Uh-huh. This is the first thing you have to do. Settle that this book is the absolute authority in your life. I'm going to say it again. This book, not Fox News, not CNN, not Democrat, Republican, not what the doctor has told you, not what the lawyer has instructed you, not what the bank has told you. This book, not your feelings, not your opinions, not what you want. This book, this book is the absolute authority for everything that you believe in. If you don't settle this, I can't help you. Because everything I'm going to be teaching you comes back to this book. Because everything I believe in that causes prayer to work is because this book teaches me so. If you don't honor this book, I started out this series preaching on honor. And if you don't honor this book above your preferences and above your ideas of how things should work, you will always be hindered in your spiritual walk because your lean is crooked. You're leaning on your own understanding instead of this understanding. I'm going to share with you right now something I've been thinking a lot about lately. There's two ways for you to interpret this book in your life and in your living. You are either under the Word in your living or you are over the Word. I'm going to give you an image And I'm not going to stand on it. But some of you live your life like this. This is my firm foundation as long as I agree with it. As long as it makes sense to me. As long as I can have the relationships I want. As long as I can make the decisions that I want. I will stand on this word. As long as it doesn't interfere with my passions and my desires and my lusts, I love this word. But I also understand I live in a world that has changed since this book was written. So there's some probably some mistakes that was made in this book. And so when I'm over this book... I can pick which scriptures I want to claim and I can choose and pluck out what words I want to live by and then the other ones, because I am over this word, I can choose to dismiss ones that doesn't any longer line up with the cultural landscape that we are currently living in. You know, that Old Testament book of Leviticus has a whole lot of laws in it that just doesn't line up with the cultural landscape that I'm living in. So I'm over this word because I love Jesus and Jesus is in me so surely his word can be interpreted by myself and I will apply it to my life the way I see fit this view of the word is demonic because instead of being over the word you have to submit yourself to being under the word ah see I'm not here's the correct way to interpret the Bible are you ready If I disagree, I'm wrong. If I think God made a mistake, then there is something broke in my understanding, not in the book. I'm not in authority. I am under authority. The parts of it I don't understand, I submit to it. The parts of it I don't like, I submit to it. The parts of it that I would rather not apply and live by, I submit to it because I'm under I'm under this word. See, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a whole lot of people trying to escape the pain of life by being over the word. And they're trying to apply the truth 
inappropriately to their circumstances. And I'm here to tell you this morning, and I'll get to the title of the message now. There's a lot of ways to escape the trouble in your life. The Bible teaches us sometimes to get out of the prison, you've got to praise your way out of it. The Bible also tells us that uh, sometimes you won't get you what, what you need until you learn how to pray your way through it. But I'm going to be here tomorrow, this morning and tonight to tell you that there are times in your life that you will not get through your tough season unless you learn how to talk your way out. Yeah. Some of you are going to have to learn how to talk your way. And by the way, all of you is already doing some talking. I'm just going to be your speech pathologist for the morning. Because we need to correct your language. Y'all not going to help me. Okay, the Bible in, first, in, in Genesis chapter 1. And if, you, uh, if you're one of these people that like to make notes, uh, get ready. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. It was formless and empty. And darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Genesis 1 and 6. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heaven from the waters of the earth. Verse 9. Then God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. Why? Because it said, God said. Verse 11. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. Why did it happen that way? Because that's what God said. Verse 14, then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Verse 20, then God said, are you seeing a pattern here? Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. Why did it happen that way? Because God said, Genesis 1 and 26, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 29, then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and the fruit trees for your food. Did you notice a pattern in those scriptures? God said and it was. Uh -huh. Now when this verse of scriptures opens, the Bible presents us with a dilemma. If you remember, verse 1 said the world was in chaos. It was in darkness. There was nothing there. It's an atmosphere that is out of order. If you're waiting on me to preach, I am already there. The atmosphere that God was presented with was not to His liking. It was out of order. It had no substance. It was void of life. Does that sound like where you go to work every day? Does that sound like the marriage that you have? Does that sound like anybody's financial situation? Does it sound like your thoughts that run through your mind? I, I know there's something there, but it's void of life. I, I realize that I have a marriage, but it's been dead for a long time. I, I know I have a job, but I just don't find any life. That does anybody recognize that voidless, formless, dark season that you exist in. So God gives us a demonstration. He does something very powerful. He speaks to what is dead. 
He speaks to what is formless. He speaks to it. And that is what we need to understand. We were never designed, child of God, to be influenced by our surrounding. We were designed to be the influence. Where do you get your authority from? This book. This book tells me that I'm not supposed to accept my surroundings. When my surroundings does not line up with the facts in the... My God in heaven. When the facts of this book does not mirror what I'm seeing around me, what is around me should change. What's in me should be more powerful than what's happening to me. You and I live in a world and the atmosphere here has been created by an enemy. It is hostile to your Christian experience. And any time that you are living in an atmosphere that is controlled by the enemy, you are being influenced to repeat the propaganda. Do you understand what propaganda is? It's what they feed you in times of war to make you repeat positive messages to ignore what's really going on. You live in a world hostile to your mission. Your mission is to preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons. That's your mission. Your, your mission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing those that believe and and helping others to find discipleship. That's your mission. And the world you live in is hostile against it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The world you live in is constantly feeding you messages that will counteract what your mission is. You're surrounded by an atmosphere created by the enemy. And anytime you start repeating what the enemy says, you give life to his message. I just did a whole lot of preaching right there and I didn't get very much response. Can I tell you a, a truth and not hurt your feelings? Well, actually, I don't even care if I hurt your feelings. A negative person, a negative Nelly, is not just aggravating and depressing to be around. A negative person isn't just complaining, they are creating. See, this has landed with like four of you. A person who complains all the time, who speaks the influence of the world, the enemy is trying to influence you to get you off mission. And when he lies to you and you repeat his lies, you are giving substance to his message. Why do you think when Job's wife came in and saw the sorry state he was in, that was his, that was his environment? She said, Job, what do you even have to live for? You're covered up in boils. We've lost our kids. The business is gone. The house is gone. All the servants are dead. We don't have anything left. What do you even have to live for? You speak like a foolish woman. Why? 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 Because she's repeating the wrong message. Because what Job said in his spirit was this. She said, why don't you curse yourself and die? And in his spirit, Job said, well, if I can curse myself and die, that means I can bless myself and live because whatever message I start repeating, y'all not going to help me. Whatever message I start repeating is going to reveal itself in my, in my reality. So, so God, God looks at something that's not acting right. And he starts speaking to it. Because the way God invokes change is not by fighting something. It's by ordering something. He don't lift his finger. He don't rain down lightning bolts from heaven. Because he knows where his authority is. And he knows that when he speaks to a thing, the thing he spoke to has no option but to change because he knows the power and authority that is in his mouth. See? See? And this example is for us. 
My God. See, when God speaks, the thing he speaks to doesn't have a choice. It doesn't argue with him. When, the, when Jesus came up to the demoniac that was full of devils, the devils looked at him and said, Oh, no. That's the Mitchum version. That's not your King James. They said, Oh, no. What do we have to do with you, son of David? They knew that the one with authority was coming on the scene and that whatever he commanded them, they were going to have to do. So they begged him, don't make us leave the country because they knew if he commanded them to, they was going to have to go to the pits of hell. They was going to have to climb Mount Kilimanjaro wherever, out in the middle of the ocean. Wherever he told them to go, they had no option. They were going to tuck their tail and scurry along. If hell knows the power and authority that's in this book, why has the church forgot it? Demons from hell itself knows that when this word is spoken, they have no option but to obey. So when God speaks, He doesn't argue with anything. He just speaks to it. And our problem is we pray... Like the thing that we are praying against has an option. The reason you start repeating and getting frustrated with your prayer life is because you're letting your problems sash you. Like they are a 14-year-old child in your house. Your problem is not that you don't know the Word. You've been in church long enough, you've heard enough good preaching. Your problem is when your problem don't leave when you tell it to, you forget that the Word still works even when you don't see the fruit of it. The problem in your life says, I'm not leaving and your blessing's not going to come. But when you start praying out of this book where authority is, you know what this book says? Blessing shall overtake me. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed when I get up. I'm blessed when I lay down. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. When I pray where the authority comes from, my problem don't backsass me. It's got a problem with this book. And one thing I learned a long time ago, you like it or you don't like it, this is the truth. It's undefeated and it shall come to pass. So that means that when you pray the Word, say the Word, when you pray the Word, your blessing has already been released. I'm going to deal with that in a few weeks. But when you speak it out, like God, your situation is not what you want it to be. So you speak out this Word. Your blessing's already been released. God's not waiting on you to do something to do something. The Bible says you, that blessings will overtake you. Your blessings already been released. When you pray, you're putting a GPS locator on the situation and saying, right here's where I need the anointing to hit. Right here's where I need the prayer to be answered. But our problem is we get caught up, instead of caught up in this book, we get caught up in our surroundings. We get caught up in our problems. And if you get caught up enough with your situation, it will get you out of church. If you're going through hell at home, and you're going through hell at, church, at, at work, and you're going through hell with your family, you better find your way to church on Sunday. Because this is where you're going to find enough strength to go back into that atmosphere that is acting up and misbehaving and speak to that atmosphere until that atmosphere changes. I, I wish... Listen, listen. When everything was dark... God wanted light, so he spoke light. He didn't move to another room where there was light. He changed the atmosphere where he was. He, changed, he made the room that was dark light right where he was. And friend, you're not a human being having a spiritual experience. You are a spirit being. Having a human experience. That means when you show up, change is supposed to show up. You have been created and anointed 
and imparted to make an impact. I wish I had a witness in this church. See, see, some people specialize in negativity and complaining and bickering and strife. And then they wonder why their situations don't ever change. It's because, are you ready for this? You create the atmosphere that you feed. You create the atmosphere that you feed. And, and, and I'm going to go a little bit deeper into that. So, Adam didn't have a partner. God said, it's not good that man should strive alone. So, he's, he's going to make him a partner. But before he does that, he, he sends all these animals in front of Adam. And he told Adam to name them. You remember that in the Bible? He gave the responsibility to Adam to name the animals. Who made the animals? And who had to name them? Now, could God have named the animals? i got to think He could. I mean, anybody that's creative enough to stretch out that nose on that elephant could probably come up with the name elephant. I mean, I mean I've seen some weird animals, okay? Like, anybody thinks there's, that God does not have a sense of humor has never saw like a manatee. Because that thing has no purpose other than just to say, look at it. And God in His creative power can do that. He couldn't have named them. No, He could have named them. But He put the responsibility of speaking over the creation. He put the responsibility on Adam to, for Adam to speak and create the environment that he was going to be living. See, see, see. see Whatever, he looked at Adam and says, Adam, whatever you call it, it is going to be that. Child of God, whatever that marriage is going to be is whatever you're going to call it. Whatever that backslidden child will eventually become is what you're going to speak over. What, whatever that that cancer diagnosis is going to be is what you speak over. You, you've got to get this in your spirit. Now, so, so with that in mind, we got to think about Proverbs 18 and 21, right? I can't tell you this, this truth without going there. Because it tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's life and death, which means you can't separate the Man, I wish I had time to teach this. Which means you can't only be a life speaker. You have the potential to do both. Blessing and cursing. Life and death. You cannot teach your tongue. James says it's an unruly member. Full of deadly poison. It, 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 it makes ships run aground. It, it's like a bit in a horse's mouth. It's like a fire that consumes all the environment, this thing in your mouth. And it's, be, it's because it has the power, say power, of life and death. And those that eat from it, or those that enjoy it, will reap the consequences. The King James says it like this. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Anybody ever said, I can't believe I said that? Yeah, you can. You, anybody ever said, I don't know where that came from? Yes, you do. You know where that came from. You didn't mean to say it out loud in front of them people. But you know exactly where it came from. That ain't the first time you said it. You just mean, I don't know why I let it slip. Here in front of them. But it's not the first time it come out your lips. Okay? Because why? You love the fruit of whatever it is that you're speaking to. Life or death. Why don't you just say out of your mouth right now, say, I need to speak life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, see, this is a problem for me because I'm, I am by nature a cynical person. I, I was taught as a little boy, not to expect anything because we were dirt poor and we didn't have nobody else. And my mama always taught me if I don't expect nothing, I won't be disappointed. 
And I have fought that mentality my whole spirit life because God wants me to expect things. God wants me to expect Him. He's a good Father. And the Bible says that good blessings, great blessings, perfect gifts come down from my Father. And I've had a hard time breaking that mentality because I was taught not to consider myself in anything. Always just take whatever you can get and make the most of it. But that doesn't translate very well into prayer. Because when you pray, you got to have confidence. I'm under the authority that is in this book. And if the enemy thought he had me, but this book said, you are mine. The enemy thought I couldn't be healed, but the, this book says that by his stripes, my God in heaven. And I, I know, I know it feels like there's no end in sight, but if I keep my eyes on what this book says, and if this is my authority, it doesn't take the pain away, but it makes me understand that there's a greater authority than the pain that I'm going through. Jesus said, the Bible said, the Word said. So, 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 so whatever you call it, it's going to be... That power of life and death is in your mouth. So what I see is this. Most of us speak over things in our lives. We all do. But it's what we say is reactionary, not creative. You're speaking over the things in your life, the relationships in your life, your career, your goals, your spirit life, the healing that you need or somebody, you're speaking over that. You're talking. Everybody but my brother over here. Wait, wave at me, Seth. He's the only brother in this room that ain't talking, at least out loud. Y'all come in this room and act bored during praise and worship. This brother's over here getting blisters on his hands, worshiping God in the only way he can by signing. You want an example of what it means to worship? If anybody in this room got an excuse not to, it's him, and he will out-worship most of you because you are bored with worship. Can I help you? You are also bored with prayer, and that's why your prayers isn't going anywhere. But let mama get cancer, and you'll get serious about worship. You'll get serious about prayer. Oh, I got to come to Super Sunday. I got to come to Thursday nights. Why? Because all of a sudden you need something from God. But what would happen? What would happen if if you stopped being reactionary and started having that same kind of fervor in creativity. Let me help you. Your marriage gets in a bad place and you react. And you say things like, I'm not sure what this is going to work out. Or, or the bills start piling up and you got laid off and you react. And you say, because the power of Life and death is in, that, is in your gums. And you say over your finances, I don't think we're going to make it. You're reactionary. What would happen if you became creative? What would happen if you would have defined your marriage before it got in a bad place? Y'all not going to help me. Y'all mad at me now. I told you I was going to mess up your prayer life a little bit. Because some of you never get intense with prayer until hell comes against you. That's reactionary. What would happen if before your marriage hit the rocks, you started speaking over your marriage? Creativity. Some of us, some of us need to start defining what our life is going to be before it gets to a miserable place that we can't stand. See, you think prophecy is just for weird people standing in traffic screaming at everybody that the world's about to come to end. I'm going to help you today and tonight. You need to prophesy to yourself. You need to prophesy to your children. You need to prophesy to your children's children. I don't have any. Well, you just go ahead and send it out into the atmosphere and be creating it. I'm going to get deeper into that as this sermon series goes on. But prophecy is not just for long-bearded guys screaming at traffic saying the world is doomed. 
Prophecy is something you need to do over your life. Prophecy is something that you need to take the authority of this book and speak it and believe it, creativity into your life. And watch this. (laughs) And this hurts. It is not your tone or your volume that gives your voice power. It's not the tone or the volume of your prayers that gives your voice power. I grew up in the Mitchum house where you expressed your your dissatisfaction with each other by screaming louder than the other person. And the person that screamed the loudest and the longest won the argument. That's how we knew who won. The one that was still screaming when the other one walked out the door. And I guess that's why I fit in in a Pentecostal church so well. Because I came in and I found a bunch of people who acted like when they prayed that God was hard of hearing. And so when they prayed, they prayed angrily and violently. Instead of God shaking the foundation... They were shaking the foundation. And they would shout and hoop and holler and stomp and run the backs of the pews. But can I tell you that it's not volume that makes your life powerful. What makes your voice powerful is when you speak what he speaks. This generation has decided that we're just going to outshout everyone else that disagrees with us. But what makes your voice carry power is when you say what he says. And this is what I'm going to get to as we, as we get into prayer a little bit deeper. Because when you say what he says, he backs up every word that is coming out of your mouth. But when you say what the enemy says, where do you get your power from? Now, this means I'm not standing up here in this pulpit telling you to pull some kind of foolishness out of thin air and start speaking stuff into existence that you ain't got no right to. John chapter 8, verse 31. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And people in this generation, the Facebook prophets, quoting from the book of face, the Facebook profiteers constantly trying to snatch hold of promises that they have no rights to. They live loose. They live free. They chase after their lusts. They got all kinds of debauchery going on with their choices in life. And then they want to go on Facebook and they want to claim, oh, they said that we're about to lose our job, but I plead the blood of Jesus over it and I rebuke every enemy trying to attack me in my house. In the name of the Lord, I am anointed and living in favor. That devil is a lie. No, last night at 3.30 in the morning, that devil was your friend. Who are you rebuking anyway? You was dancing with that devil last night. You're going to rebuke him today. This is not the way prayer works. We have cheapened prayer in this generation to where we think if we rub it the right way, a genie will pop out and grant our three wishes. And this is why I'm telling you that this book has to be the highest authority in your life. You have to honor this book above everything that you feel Everything the environment is telling you, whatever your lusts are being drawn to, you have to say, if this book is against it, then I am too. If this book says I can have it, I have to believe I can. Are you hearing me this morning? Genesis chapter 3, I'll get out of your way in just a moment. I'm going to pick this back up tonight. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. God said it, and it was so. 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 And now, two chapters later. It didn't take us long to mess this thing up, did it? 
like, I mean, they had paradise, right? And they didn't have no, no, nobody else to influence them. Like, they didn't have no Fox News or Facebook or none of that stuff. It's just them two, and their only job is to make babies. And we couldn't even keep it straight in between the lines. Verse 1 says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman. Who did he ask? Don't say that it was such visceral. Look, look, what's the Bible say? Who did he ask? Her name was what? Eve. This is what he asked her. Did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees of the garden? Here's the thing. That's not what God said. That's not what God said. The devil is twisting what God said to make Eve think she's missing out on something that she already desires. So he starts questioning the word, convoluting the word, making a private interpretation of what the word means. And people do this all period, the period, time period. You don't believe me? James chapter 1 verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted. How? When he is drawn away. I know this says desire up here. The King James says it lusts. Yeah, you got some lust in you, don't you? Y'all not used to me preaching this hard on Sunday morning. I can tell some of y'all are like, I did not sign up for this. Listen to me. Because this is not the sermon you wanted, but this is the one you needed. <laughs> uh huh. In other words, what James is teaching us is that the devil didn't make you do anything. He did not, Flip Wilson was wrong. He did not make you do anything. All he does is know what desires live inside of you and presents you with an opportunity to act on the mess that you're already kicking around on the inside. All he does is say, oh, you like bananas, do you? You know there's some on that table over there. Oh, you like blondes, do you? There's one that just got hired. Oh, you like a guy with six-pack abs that don't love Jesus? Here he comes with his shirt off. Why does he have his shirt off? We don't know, but we ain't mad at him. But here's the thing. Let God be true and every man a liar. So the devil does not have to get you to disagree with this whole book to keep you hindered. He only has to get you to disagree with parts of this book to keep because he can't get you lost if you are saved. Are there any saved folks in the house? Are you saved? If you're saved, he can't get you lost, but he can get you hindered. Because you don't have to doubt the whole totality of this book. You just have to doubt the parts that will get you loose. Yeah, yeah. So, so here I am to teach you something. And I'm going to wrap this up. Let's watch how this works. Satan is talking to Eve. Genesis 3 and 1. He, who, did he, who did he ask? He asked the woman, right? And what did he ask her? He asked her, did God really say that you couldn't eat from any of these? Right? Who did, who did he talk to? Eve. And he asked her a question. Am I, am I interpreting this right? He asked her a question. He asked her. Did God really say that you can't eat from any of these trees? Here's the thing. Why did he ask Eve? 
Because if you go back and read Genesis chapter 2 verse 17, God didn't tell Eve what tree they could eat from. He told Adam. Why did the snake ask Eve about a conversation that God had with Adam? So the only thing we can infer because Eve responded correctly. Eve responded, no, we can eat from every tree except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So how did Eve get the message? God told Adam, Adam must have told Eve. But the snake didn't attack Adam. Because Adam got it straight from God. He attacked the one who got it secondhand information. And when he asked Eve, did God really say, what he was really implying is, can you trust what your husband told you? Can you trust that Eve, that Adam told you what God said? And if you don't think that goes on in your house every Sunday and in your mind every Sunday, you're sadly mistaken. Because the devil will attack the message that you got from the messenger that got it from him. So when God tells me to tell you something, the first thing the devil's going to do is come along and say, did the preacher really mean that God means this? Or could the preacher have got it wrong? I mean, don't God want you happy? I know the preacher said God is angry about fornicators, but God knows your heart. I know the preacher preached. I know Pastor Mitchum got up there and preached about uh, a, a culture that is uh, morally bankrupt and they don't understand their own identities and how God made them man and woman, male and female. He created them. That, I know he says that about the Bible, but God knows your heart. And the preacher doesn't know your heart or your circumstances. So could the preacher be wrong? And he starts trying to get you to misinterpret what you heard that God said. So, so when Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, it was in response to them not speaking what God said when they were tempted with a lie. All that it took to get them out of paradise was for them to keep their mouths shut. The enemy understands the power of your voice. And he is constantly trying to silence you. The Bible says... In Genesis 3 and 6, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and that its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some of the fruit to her husband and the Bible says, who was with And he ate it too. Who heard the message from God? He was with her and kept his mouth shut. When he heard the lie that the enemy told, instead of rebuking it with the authority that he knew for a fact he heard God say, instead he kept his mouth shut. Shut. You come back tonight, I'm going to give you the four things that the enemy uses to shut your mouth. There's four things he uses to muzzle you. We're going to deal with that tonight. But for today, I want you to take into comprehension how easy it was for the devil to get them out of paradise. 
Adam didn't kill nobody. Eve didn't have an affair. Neither one of them was a drug addict. All them things that we think are worthy of hell, do you know what set them up to fail? They refused to say what they knew God said. If you're wondering why America's going to hell in a handbasket, it's because people don't know or don't care what God has said anymore. And nobody is repeating what thus saith the Lord over their lives anymore. Nobody will stand up and say, that's not what God said. Some of you have backslidden children and you see, and listen, I'm in the boat with you. And I struggle with this. And you see the environment they're in and it's easy for you to condemn the environment they're in. Because you see the reality of it. But be careful because you have creative power in your gums. And I know what the devil said about them. But what did this book say? Oh, the the devil thought he had them. (laughs) But this book says that they were fearfully and wonderfully made. I, I know that the devil is lying to you and lying to him. And lying to her and telling them that they're lost and undone and they're never going to get out of that. But what does this book say? This book says that He knew me from the foundations of the earth and that He died for me and that His blood was shed. And the fact that His blood was shed means I am redeemed. And the minute that I call upon His name, believe in my heart, confess with my what? Confess with my what? Yeah, if I believe it with my heart and confess it with my mouth, I am And if I can get salvation out of my mouth, surely you can get healing out of your mouth. Surely you can get your backslidden children to come home out of your mouth. You've got that kind of power in your mouth. You've got to learn to talk your way out of it. So we're going to practice this this morning. I want every person in the room to stand. Because I'm going to make prophets out of all. I'm calling every one of you into the office of prophet. I don't want none of y'all coming here and telling me the signs of the times and all that stuff. Because this ain't what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about is you've got to learn how to start speaking creatively instead of responsively. Which means I don't want to speak to what you're going through. So I don't want you to bring your prayer requests to one another because that's reactionary. I'm reacting to something the devil already brought into your life or something you brought in. But I want you to go around this room and I want you to give and receive creative prophecy. And here's what I mean by that. You know God really loves you. You know that this book says that you are the blessed of the Lord. Do you know that this book says that no weapon formed against you, Melissa, shall prosper? And that every word spoken against you should be turned back against you. Do you know that this book says that? See, that's me prophesying. And I'm not making up some stuff about, Thus saith the Lord in seven days hence. You shall be given a quarter with George Washington's face turned the wrong direction. And it will be a sign unto thee that the Lord is going to visit your house with a plague of locusts. No, 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 no. That's goofy. The Holy Ghost is not goofy. People are goofy. No, I want you to prophesy the things that you know. And here's what I know. If you love the Lord and you are His... You are blessed and highly favored. Here's what I know. That the Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. And you should rejoice and be glad in it. And when you start prophesying that to each other, you start telling everybody, God really loves you. You don't even have to know if they're saved for that to be true. Because the oh, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand upon the Word of God, the Yeah, I I know it's true because I read it in this book. So I want you to look at a neighbor on your left, and I want you to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. 
Now look at the one on your right and say, let, let me tell you about my Jesus. Now as you leave this room today, and that's what I want you to do. I want you to start telling everybody that you can see a little bit about your Jesus. God bless you tonight. Come back tonight. We're going to finish this message, church.